Sports 1140 KHDK. Happy opening night, home opening night, as the Sacramento Kings are here at Golden One Center getting ready to take on the Utah Jazz. Both teams 1-0. This will be fun. Friday night basketball here in Sacramento. It's turned into a gorgeous day. I know we've had some rain throughout uh, the evening and early part of the day, but sun is out now, and hopefully some really good basketball coming your way. Uh, later tonight. Again, uh, our setup for you, we're going here at the arena, 3 until 5.30. Then it's game night. Scott Marsh and the high flyer, Henry Turner, will have game night for an hour. Then we're back for Kings Live pregame. And, of course, the G-Man will have the call starting at 7 o'clock for the Kings and the Jazz. Uh, speaking of the G-Man, he is going to join us today on the show. When he gets here, we'll have him on right around 5 o'clock. We look forward to that. Also, Dave Deuce Mason. We will have Deuce here. Kind of all the opening night uh, theatrics are going on. We saw some warm-ups and entertainment. Montel Jordan was out here a few minutes ago getting ready for his performance. So it's a big night. Opening night's always fun. Looking at all the seats here in Golden One Center, you see uh, shirts. Uh, everybody looks like they're going to get a Sack Proud shirt. 2021-22 season opening night. Looks good. It'll be festive. And it's a tough, tough matchup. Uh, tonight, so we got plenty to get to on a Friday with so much going on still with baseball. Uh, the NFL got started with Week Seven last night. You got more action coming up this weekend with both the Raiders and the Niners in play, and of course, Kings, 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 and the NBA. One note before we get into first things first, there is a little bit of a development going on right now that needs way more detail. Way more detail. This feels like it's all in its infancy right now. But there's going to be a story that's coming out regarding the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Suns ownership. The way it was first put out on social media was pretty incriminating on stuff regarding Robert Sarver and the Phoenix Suns. Stuff targeting him and him specifically. uh, Several allegations and what was deemed as far as who is reporting it and the sources that there was proof of such said things where they were talking about uh, misconduct racial and gender discrimination, and again, proof of this. Well, Phoenix apparently has uh, the Suns themselves have denied the allegations directed at their owner, um, and there's going to be much more on this. I mean, there has to be, as this is just getting uncovered, the Suns' response to what they say is a pending ESPN story, quote, documentary evidence in our possession and eyewitness accounts directly contradict the reporter's accusations. So, a story that could blow up into something very, very big or could just come and go. But, it again, very, very infancy here. Have no more details than any of that, but something that I think we'll all need to be uh, aware of and following uh, as the uh, details come out. But let's do it. Let's start you out with First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. Well, it is the Kings' home opener tonight. Let's uh, listen back how it all got started a couple nights ago in Portland. 123-121. Here's the second one. He's got them both. No timeout available for Portland. They've got to go the length of the floor. They need three. Will the Kings foul? Here comes Lillard. Step back. Straight away, 30-footer. Rims it. Doesn't get it. Fox had it. Lost it. Horn sounds, ball game's over, and the Kings steal one in Portland on opening night from the Trailblazers. Sacramento, after an unbeaten preseason, after an unbeaten summer league in Las Vegas, starts the 82-game grind with a narrow three-point victory in Portland, 124-121. Only the 13th regular season win 
by the Kings in Portland in 73 attempts. That's amazing. It's called by the G-Man. Just It's so difficult for the Kings to win there, but they did. As you heard, just the 13th time ever, and they deserved to win. The Kings really played well in Portland. Uh, it, it got scary. It certainly got scary at the end, but a three-point escape. It took a night where Damian Lillard was off his game, uh, but now the Kings are going to need more of that tonight in the home opener. More of, I don't know if they're going to get another career-high 36 from Harrison Barnes on eight made threes. The point is now, can this team find other weapons and I think that's where the depth comes in. I, I figure there will be games here where Halliburton's going to play much better than he did. Winley saw two points from the rookie Davion Mitchell. You know he can contribute more. Uh, Harkless uh, is questionable at this point. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, solid double-double. De'Aaron Fox was good. I just think there's a lot more things that can happen and need to happen, especially to beat a team like the Utah Jazz, a team that I've been praising the Kings' continuity the Jazz have a lot of continuity, coaching staff, system, players, uh, and being successful, more successful than the Kings have been at it with continuity. Uh, they're coming back with a team that was the one seed and, for the most part, all the pieces. So uh, it's going to be a tough challenge tonight at home and a really difficult weekend. If you had a chance to see the Warriors last night, man, Steph was crazy hot after he said on the, the opener we shot like uh, trash. Uh, not yesterday. Man, he was cooking, and it's so much fun when you watch NBA players at the height of their game go off, and Steph did that. So uh, that's the very difficult weekend, but it starts with a home opener tonight with the Utah Jazz, and just as the Kings have been saying, stack, stacking days, stacking games, improving. If there's a setback, then you keep going and try to, you know, this team can't make it to what they've done before where they lost, what, uh, last season, two nine-game losing streaks. Can't afford that. Um, when you have the misstep, learn from it, grow from it, and get better uh, the next opportunity out. So it's the first matchup of the year between the Kings and the Jazz. Certainly a tough one. All right, let's and much more on this coming throughout the show. As we said, the G-Man will join us. We'll hear from Dave Deuce Mason. We have uh, sound from yesterday, our interview with Coach Walton. Many things coming your way. So more on the home opener, but let's get more first things first. First things first. First things first. All right, up next, Ben Simmons, the situation, the story that will never end. To get you caught up briefly on this, the way it's been, Ben Simmons and his camp felt it was important to get together with Philadelphia. They did. I think that surprised a lot of people, maybe even the Sixers included. Um, Then Ben Simmons uh, was, to put it nicely, going through the motions at best. Then the next opportunity to practice was kicked out of practice, suspended for a day. Uh, They need to sort this out. It's obviously not working. So, Uh, All accounts yesterday before the show ended, we told you that Philadelphia's brass was going to get together with Ben Simmons. Let's get a little more detail on that. This uh, uh, was a report earlier today from uh, Shams Charania. Sources tell me Ben Simmons addressed Doc Rivers, Joel Embiid, and the entire 76ers team today inside the locker room after film session at shoot-around. And he informed them that he is not mentally ready yet to play, and he needs time. When Joel Embiid in the meeting, I'm told, asked Ben Simmons about why he wants a trade. Simmons responded that mentally he is just not feeling like himself right now and needs to take some time away. I'm told that was met with no response back. And there were other team leaders such as Tobias Harris, who then publicly and privately supported Ben Simmons and let him know that he can take time away and get right mentally. So after being kicked out of practice and being suspended for one game, Simmons will now miss Friday's home opener against the Brooklyn Nets, and it's unclear how long he will need to get his mind right 
But in the meantime, I'm told Simmons will seek professional help to make sure that he's able to get back on track and get back on the floor after he did express to teammates that he wants to play, but he wants to get right mentally before he's able to do so. All right, there's a couple of buzzwords in there, right? I mean, you hear that and you hear mental health, get his mind right. Um, No matter what all of us think of the situation, that's one right there you just have to be careful with if you're Philadelphia. And to their credit, to some of the players' credit, I saw future tweets in the afternoon from teammate Tobias Harris basically saying, we will be here for you when you feel right. And, uh, you know, more of a... um, leadership role in a sense of being a good teammate, being a good friend. Um, I'm sure there's, there's got to be frustration all the way around. Good for Embiid to basically say, why do you want to be traded? To call him out on it. And then for him to say, you know, he's not in the right spot. Whether you believe that or not, you have to kind of honor that. And that's a tricky situation, but I don't know how much time you give. Yesterday we played the sound of Daryl Morey saying, hey, we buckle up. We may be in this for a long time as much as four years. Well, I don't believe that, but the point being is we're not going to give them away for role players. So let's get a little bit more from Shams on uh, on uh, part two of this Ben Simmons update. It's believed the Sixers support Simmons as he goes and seeks professional help, but this message was relayed to the organization months ago that Simmons was not mentally ready yet to return to Philadelphia under the current conditions. That came after Rivers and Embiid made critical comments about Simmons after that Game 7 loss against Atlanta and the event that transpired several months afterward. And that's where you wonder how broken is this relationship. A lot of the stuff we've talked about over the summer with Ben Simmons was he was broken, right, mentally, physically, uh, the way he played. Uh, And this isn't about a guy who um, is missing shots and can't make jump shots. This is a guy who wouldn't take them and wouldn't take open dunks, wouldn't want to drive part of the skill set that makes him so difficult at 6'10", driving downhill and getting in front of him, you foul him, he's going to make you pay. He could, one, finish, two, uh, go to the foul line. Well, then he became a mess at the line, didn't want to be put in that situation, certainly is not going to take jump shots. So then all you have is a $40 million defender, and that's not the way this league works. He he has more components to his game to be well-rounded, certainly still missing that jump shot element, but he is a guy that can create off the dribble, create for others, and get to the basket. But once that part was gone, once he started passing up shots that he had to take, that's where it really felt like he was broken. I don't think the Sixers helped at all when Doc Rivers was point-blank asked, is he the kind of point guard that can take you to a championship? His answer was, I don't know. That's not very supportive of a player. Now, uh, the business is tough, and maybe you don't have to sugarcoat it if you're Doc, but... Certainly, maybe you say something differently behind closed doors. In Philadelphia, where they're just thirsty for any kind of information to trash their own players, the fan base isn't behind Ben Simmons. They want this team to win. They're going to be good without him. They could be great with him or great with the piece that they get for him. So I don't know where this will go. Certainly, Ben needs to get his mind right. The best place for it to maybe be right is away from Philadelphia. But then it goes back to the situation, the circle, never-ending cycle that we're in of, well, yeah, but they don't want to trade him for just role players or not true value in return. They want a difference maker. That was the word, the quote, the difference maker from Daryl Morey. So uh, this will continue to go on. 
Uh, ben Simmons basically telling them he's not in a good mental space. I believe all that. I really, really do. But where it gets resolved um, becomes interesting. Now, I did have a few people hit me up like, do you think the Kings should still be interested? I think the Kings should always be attentive to all of this stuff. And maybe even be working around their edges here. I mean, Ben Simmons, his salary, maybe it's not something that comes directly to Sacramento. And another team has to get involved. Well, maybe you're a third team, a fourth team. You, you just have to be in constant communication with all parties here. And that's, you know, talking to Monty McNair at different that's what most front offices do. They have a general idea of who teams are looking at, who they're looking for. And as long as there's open communication around the league, I think a deal can be done. It's just obviously at this point, Daryl Morey hasn't heard it. He hasn't heard the one he likes. And so the wait for Ben Simmons, the wait for the Sixers will go on. And I think by even doing it this way, if if Ben Simmons just gets away from the team, so now on a nightly basis like they're playing tonight, I, I don't know that a player should be or will be asked about him. They might be asked about him. But in a week, in two weeks, if he's still not with the team and completely away, then maybe it's just not a story that they have to worry about. Now it's fully back on Ben's terms and on the front office's terms. So we'll see. It'll be fun to see. Not fun, because I don't like that's not the right term. It'll be interesting to see where this goes as they go forward. All right, let's get you more First Things First. First Things First. All right, as we said, much more on the Kings opening night as we continue here. Uh, let's get to the NFL last night. As heard here on Sports 1140 KHDK, week seven of the National Football League got started with the Browns and the Broncos. And the Browns, hung on. Keenum's got it, and he's going to give the ball, and here comes Dearness Johnson. He's to the 15. He's going to get there. He got to the 12. First down at the 12-yard line. 58 seconds left. Denver can't stop the clock. Yeah, so Denver uh, was in an opportunity where they couldn't get the ball back because of that late first down. Cleveland just found a way. All those injuries, but they got it done. Part of it was one of those veteran quarterbacks. There's no sexiness, no sizzle to a guy like Case Keenum, but he came in there and got the job done, filling in for Baker Mayfield. Here's his coach, Kevin Stefanski, talking about Keenum. Case fought like he always does. I thought he orchestrated the operation, he took care of the football, and then that was a huge play at the end there, uh, or not at the end, but in, in the end zone there uh, on fourth down, just to make a play, fighting for extra yardage, but he, he did a great job fighting. We mentioned before yesterday's game, both teams three and three. The Broncos were in a spot where they had lost three in a row. will now make it four in a row for Denver, so they're reeling a little bit as far as Cleveland. They kind of get through one. They grind through one with all those injuries if they can get healthier. I still like that team a lot. Uh, They need all the pieces to be fully um, dynamic, but they're good. Cleveland Browns are good. They got one of those wins that you just didn't know where it would go based on the amount of personnel that were off the floor, off the field. Uh, Really did some damage to them, but they found a way to win, which was important to start week seven of the National Football League. All right, more First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. All right, next up, the Niners and Colts. Sunday night football, the 49ers get some news today. This guy will be their starting quarterback. Jimmy in the gun. Kittle will line up as a left wing next to Trent Williams. Three left, two right. They all go out. Jimmy throws left. It is caught for a touchdown. Touchdown. San Francisco. Jawan Jennings first touchdown. 
Well, Jimmy G is in. He will start. Official word coming from the 49ers camp. He is in. Now, on the bad side of things, Trey Lance still ruled out. So, Trey Lance injured. Uh, injuries have been a mainstay, a theme for this team to start the year. Trey Lance got a start a couple weeks ago. They've just had the bye. Uh, this team needs to find its groove. And injuries have been a reason for lack of stellar play. But I uh, just have you seen a great game yet from the 49ers? We've seen stretches. And there's ability there, and I was really high on this team coming into the season. Injuries are a factor. They are a reason. But I feel like other teams have maybe been able to overcome some things. Now, there's our high-level injuries with your starting quarterback being out, Kittle being out at times. Um, You've had uh, more uh, safety and secondary issues, as they've had for a couple years, even the kicker, uh, Robbie Gould. Uh, Just a lot of things going on, the totality of injuries. But I would say with a staff of coaches that I'm, I'm a big fan of, I think the 49ers have a good coaching staff, and an extra week to prepare, there are more things, even with injuries, in favor of the 49ers to be ready to take on the Colts. It feels like a swing game to me. The season just really hasn't got off to a good launching point yet. And while you wait for bodies to recover and return, the others that are given a chance have to respond. And one of those guys this week is Jimmy G. Um, he's still there's still a ton of value for this team in him. Um, we said it from the beginning. Kyle Shanahan to me would have played Trey Lance from game one if he fully believed he could handle all of it and the playbook and the system and the just the NFL. And they've used him in specialty packages and then out of necessity he had to play when Jimmy G was out. Well now Jimmy G is back. It's on him to carry the team for a little while. You're paid well. You've taken a team to a Super Bowl. Don't be a guy that's just, okay, he's fine. He's a, he's a game manager. Sometimes you have to be a difference maker, and Jimmy G hasn't done that enough. He's won a lot of games. He needs to do that again this week as the Niners get ready to take on the Colts. All right, more First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. All right, how about the Raiders? They're back in action, and we've talked a lot about them over the last two weeks with uh, Lincoln Kennedy on the just – uh, craziness that they've had to undergo for the two-week stretch of playing their worst football against the Bears, losing their coach, uh, John Gruden, and then having to last week's game was the mystery game. How are they going to play in Denver? How are they going to actually do this? How will they function? They played great. They galvanized together. They responded. They looked cohesive, and they just played football and got it done. A quality win. Coach Basaccia got his first win. The coordinators, I thought, had the team ready to go, offense, defense, special teams, just a solid performance, their best performance to date, and a really good day for the Raiders. That's just one day. They're back at it as the Raiders this week will host Philadelphia. Here's Drake through the middle. Got daylight. Jackpot, baby. Kenyon Drake, second Vegas touchdown. Well, Philly is a marginal team. They have not been great this year. To me, the Raiders can't have the let-up that they've already had a couple times at home. Remember, uh, they had to fight and claw to beat Miami. They had the terrible home performance against Chicago. Philly's not a great team right now. Now, they're capable of beating the Raiders, but if you think you, you found something, you got back on track, you are on top of your division, a very good division, you can't have another game that you give back. This weekend would be a game you give back. You can't do that if you're the Raiders You're in Vegas. We've talked about how the crowds have been great, but a lot of visiting fans have come in, kind of that transient crowd. But uh, opportunity for the Raiders to get another win at home, uh, going into a bye. They have the Giants after that. I mean, they can 
they can get a little bit of a cushion. They could feel better and have opportunities to have a slip up in future weeks. But it can't be this week for the Raiders. They got to, like the Kings term, stack weeks, stack days, stack games. Raiders need to do that. They have an opportunity to do that. You'll be able to hear that game Sunday right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. All right, more First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. All right, the Dodgers, uh, they were down, they were in trouble, but they are not out. A 2-2, Taylor with a fly ball to deep left center field. Chris Taylor has hit his third home run of the night and becomes the 11th different player in baseball history with three home runs in a postseason game. Well, hitting can cure a lot of things, that's for sure. I did not like the setup that was Charlie Steiner, by the way, on the Dodgers radio network. I did not like the setup the Dodgers had in front of them. You like being at home. They were down 3-1. They obviously had to win. They have now have to win game six, and they're still going to have to win game seven and try to repeat what they did a year ago when they were down 3-1 to the Braves. But Freed was pitching for the Braves, who's been their best pitcher. The Dodgers had a bullpen game from the get-go. I didn't like that setup. Uh, Kelly gave up two runs in the first, didn't even get out of the first. I thought, oh, this is this is not good. But Chris Taylor and others contributed. I mean, the Dodgers just started scoring runs in just about every inning, um, three in the second. They got another in the third. I think they had a couple in the fifth or sixth, had that four-run eighth. It was just a rout. And so they have stayed alive, and offense can do it for you. Um, Trey Turner had several hits. You had three from Pollock. You had the four hits, six RBI, three home run day from Chris Taylor. Um, you don't expect that. You don't always get that. But that's what the Dodgers need just to give them life, get a day off, travel to Atlanta, maybe get their arms right because they just haven't been uh, that dominant pitching staff that they had shown. As we said the other day, Max Scherzer in his last outing said his arm was dead. So the team looked for dead a couple different times in this series. They have responded. But on that same note, so is Atlanta. When the Dodgers won game three, when it looked like they were out, I mean, definitely out, and Bellinger hit that eighth inning home run, that kind of felt like the turning point of the series. Like, this is the Dodgers may just now go and win the next three games and win this four to two. And then the Braves come back and win the very next game. So they have responded very well. This one hurts them, but it's one loss. They had a game or two to play with. They don't want to make it go seven, but they're going home. They'll have the last at-bats. They still have been able to hit the Dodgers very, very well in this series. So um, we'll see where this one goes. They won't play again until tomorrow uh, from Atlanta. All right, let's get you one more thing here on First Things First. First Things First. All right, the last one, sticking with baseball. They're going to start at shortly after 5 o'clock as Houston is looking to clinch the pennant with a victory over Boston. These two teams have been consistently good in the American League. Um, over the last couple of years, you know, the Red Sox had a down year last year. The Astros have been in the ALCS for five consecutive years. They have flipped this series around. They were down two games to one, giving up all sorts of hits, then started getting uh, the big run production in that eighth and ninth inning of game four. Uh, game five, great pitching, so they got out of Boston. They go home, much like Atlanta, in a 3-2 advantage with two games at home. So Houston is in the better spot. Braves are in the better spot. Certainly doesn't mean either series is over. But the baseball postseason has had some really good moments, some fun atmospheres. And in those cities, we've talked about how much baseball has turned into such a regional regional development. So it feels like it's probably larger than life in Houston, in Boston, 
certainly in Atlanta and L.A. It's just is the rest of the nation captured by this? And I don't know the answer to that. I think baseball numbers have, have gone down. But really, sports in general, I think that's a – I don't know if a dangerous game to play, but an inaccurate game. All of ratings of everything have gone down. There's just more consumption of other things. And so uh, cutting of the cord, doing different things that way, um, you see numbers go down all the way across the board in, in popular shows, in all of the things. So, But I think by and large, we have noticed that baseball numbers have gone down. And uh, those people that are big fans of it will love it. And certainly in those markets, they will be all in. Well, we know they're all in here in Sacramento for Kings basketball, and we expect a full house, an energetic crowd. They're going through a lot of the pregame routines here now as we speak. We'll tell you that Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. To help get you prepared here for opening night, not only will we visit with uh, Dave Deuce Mason, he will join us when he arrives here, part of his radio duties uh, tonight, but we'll have him on with us. And then uh, the G-Man, the voice of the Kings, will join us as well coming up at 5. We're just getting started here. Let's come back. We'll talk about the Kings and home openers in their history as uh, they get ready for the Kings and the Jazz. That's all coming up right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. All right, back here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Jason Ross here with you. It is home opening night, Friday night basketball here at Golden One Center. It's going to be awesome. Absolutely awesome. Looking forward to this. As we said, coming up on the show, the G-Man, the voice of the Kings, will be joining us. Also, Dave Deuce Mason, uh, getting their perspective on opening night. And, um, you know, something actually I was talking about with Deuce earlier today um, when we were talking about show prep and different things for the pregame show. Um, we, and I'll say it for myself, but I know this it was Deuce's point, that we're, all of us that are in the broadcast team here have been coming to these games, have been broadcasting from here in different locations, and it, it kind of hasn't quite dawned on me, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's going to be a full crowd of fans. At the very end of last year, the Kings had a few games here at home with some fans and still wasn't a full house, still, you know, different requirements. And there's still things and protocols that need to be followed. But, you know, Tyrese Halliburton hasn't played in front of a full house here. Um, You know, really Harkless and Terrence Davis and certainly Davion Mitchell, they haven't been um, players for the Kings in front of this fan base cheering for them. It's going to be fun, and and when you're here all the time, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. It still really hasn't happened in that capacity. So home opening nights are special. I've seen some of the stuff they're uh, practicing right now and have, uh, you know, doing their preps to get ready for not the players but the entertainment. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be electric. It's going to be very difficult to take on this Jazz team that is good and stacked and has players returning. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going to make this a tough, tough game for uh, the Sacramento Kings, but – it is home opener. The Kings, in their history at home, have done well. Um, it's interesting that their home record all time, this will be their 37th home opener here in Sacramento, 24-12 uh, and 12 in home openers. And last year, they won, if you remember that, their home opener after they beat Denver in Denver in, double o- or in overtime on a Buddy Heald game winner, came back here and played Phoenix on back-to-back nights at home, and beat the Suns the first night, so they started 2-0 and and then lost the, the next night. But that win against Phoenix had ended a six-game home opening losing streak. So if you think about that 24-12, and um, it was even better 
a few years back. So the Kings had lost six in a row before that and then had gone on a stretch where they'd won 16 of 17 in their home opener. So uh, it's a great place to play, whether that was the original Arco, uh, Arco Arena, and then certainly here. Uh, That's the other thing this team specifically needs to do is make this a place that's very difficult to play, get a big crowd every night, and places like Utah, who the Kings are going to play tonight. That's a brutal place to go and play. They've got a great team. They think they've got a great home court advantage, and they do. And the Kings used to have that when they were one of the great teams in the league where they would win, you know, 35 games at home a year. Think about that. You already have 35, then if you could just get close to 500 on the road, and then you're in the mid-50s, and you're a high playoff seed. Well, that's a long way from where they've been, and they've had too many games at home to me in the recent years where they've just let go and had home stretches where you go, good, the, the teams are going to be home for five or six games in a row, and it's a two-and-four tri- two homestand, a one-and-five homestand, and just missed opportunity. So uh, kind of want to look back and take a listen back to uh, the way it went last year in the home opener. Here's a deflection and a steal by Buddy Heald on a pass intended for Booker. Buddy to the rack, a scoop and a score. Buddy Heald, who was having a 3-for-12 shooting night, just came up with a defensive gem on a steal and a hoop to make it 99-95. 218 and counting. Fox walks it straight away, stops right above the three-point arc, creeps toward the right wing, now pulls the dribble back. Trying to get rhythm. Gets the up fake. Drops it inside. Barnes goes to the rack. Crashes. No good. Put back. Holmes. He's fouled and he's got the put back bucket. Kings lead it 101-97. And and one opportunity for Rashawn Holmes. Cleaning up the missed shot from Harrison Barnes. The second one, the adjustment is made. He gets the free throw. Here comes Chris Paul. Only three seconds to go. Kings staying way off of him. He launches three at the buzzer, scores it. This one will count, but it won't make any difference in the outcome. For the first time in 17 years, the Sacramento Kings have won consecutive games to start a season. Final score, 106-103. Well, that last part that you heard the first time in 17 years last year, the Kings started 2-0, so they're trying to do it for a second consecutive year. And what a difficult weekend it is for the Kings. They're both at home, but tonight against Utah, Sunday against the 2-0 Warriors, who looked uh, really good in their first couple of games. And so, But this is good. This is what they have to go through. They, I thought Portland would be tough. The Kings had only won there 12 times before the win on Wednesday. So, And then even after that, it's the Suns. That's what this team needs to go through. Uh, It's not going to be easy, but I told you before, I do believe in this team. I like their makeup. I like that they've identified their key players. They played nine the other night. I think they played the right nine. Um, They played the guards a lot, and that fringe of the rotation was Marvin Bagley and Alex Len. Those two guys did not get in. Tonight, it may be different. Last we heard, Mo Harkless is questionable for tonight. That's certainly, and that's the only injury listed on the Sacramento Kings side of things. It doesn't mean he's not playing. Uh, at the moment, he's listed in the starting lineup, but that's something that certainly can change if he doesn't play. Um, but that that changes the pecking order. That changes the rotation. So that's something to watch for tonight here in this home opening game against the Utah Jazz. And, you know, to me, for the Kings, they need to, um, they've clearly identified that. They clearly have made it a point of emphasis defensively. And I thought the first half defense against Portland was tremendous. There was slippage in the second half, 
at the third quarter, they kind of got away with it because they still outscored Portland, and the fourth quarter it caught up to them because the offense also wasn't matching uh, what they were doing and energy-wise defensively, and then Portland didn't slow down. And when you're down 18, your only choice is either to get blown out or to make a run, and Portland certainly did that and nearly pulled off uh, the comeback. But they didn't. Kings got the win, and now, like we said, they need to to stack on here at home in front of this home crowd. Uh, Speaking of home openers, uh, we had said this the other day in Harrison Barnes' uh, career-high 36-point night. That was the best night ever by a Sacramento King in an opening game. He had surpassed Reggie Theus, who had scored 33 points in a game in a home opener. So Harrison Barnes had, what, a career-high eight threes, career-high 36 points, and the best opening night by any Sacramento King. Now, to have a home opener record broken tonight, this one's going to be tough. I looked up some numbers earlier today. In 2009, the best individual performance by a King in a home opener went to Kevin Martin. The Kings beat the Grizzlies 127-116. Here's the stat line Kmart had that night. He played 52 minutes. He went 14 of 27 from the floor. He went to the line 18 times. Man, Kevin Martin used to get fouled all the time and had a knack of getting there, getting fouled, drawing fouls. 13 of 18, a little surprised he missed that many. So he missed five. He had a block. He had four steals. He had five rebounds, four assists, and 48 points in a home opener. So what a way to start the season that year for him and uh, for the Kings at home. But tonight... It's about how do you handle this uh, Utah Jazz team, a team that when we talk a little bit more about them later, you're going to hear some uh, audio from Coach Walton when we talked to him yesterday in his weekly show about Utah that is going to defend the Kings differently than Portland did. What Utah is going to try to do is guide everything to the middle, funnel things. They're going to play underneath screens, funnel things to the middle. They want you to get towards Gobert in the middle of the paint where he's protecting. And let's remember, when Gobert's out, you know who they've added? Hassan Whiteside. So, I mean, they're a big front court, big center position. Uh, Rudy Gay has been added. I think that's a nice addition, though he's uh, not scheduled to play. He's uh, injured to start the year. But Utah has so much continuity, so many guys back, and you have to be able to handle different team styles, and Utah's completely different. We told you the other day one thing to look for. If the Kings, who had all those fast break points, against Portland, just dominated them. It was 18-3 to in the fast break points. Utah just won't let them do it. If the Kings get out in transition, the Jazz, they will grab the Kings player with the ball. They'll just grab the ball. They'll just stop them. Won't even let them get past half court. They will do the take foul and eliminate the crowd getting into it, eliminate an easy dunk if they can. Now, if the Kings can get rid of the ball first, sometimes you can get away with that pass even if the, if the defender, the last guard back or the last player back grabs you. That ball's gone for that other runner and could dunk it. You could still get away with it. But that's their philosophy. That's the way they've been taught. That's the way they're coached. And so the Kings have to be able to be ready for that. But we'll we'll talk more about that coming up. And also we'll look at this Jazz team, a team that has, if you look at last year, absolutely dominated the Sacramento Kings. I mean, dominated. There was a game here that was as bad as we've ever seen, and it was at the hands of the Utah Jazz last year, and the Kings closed out their home schedule with the Jazz in Game 72 last year. So we'll do some of that. We'll do so much more. Again, we'll get you to game night at 5.30, Kings Live pregame at 6.30, and then the tip-off at 7 here on home opening night. We're back with more right after this on Sports 1140 KHDK. 
Not only cool like that, fly like that, right? We are back here on Sports 1140 KHTK, coming to you from Golden One Center. It's Kings and the Utah Jazz tonight in the home opener, as we said earlier. All seats here, looks like they've got T-shirts covering every seat, so everybody's going to come home with a sack-proud black T-shirt. Looks good. The arena's just, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be an awesome night, hopefully, of basketball, and hopefully... Better performances from the Kings than they've had against the Utah Jazz in recent memory. It has been ugly for the Kings here against the Utah Jazz. If you look at recent games, uh, we go back to the last couple of years, and the Kings actually currently have a four-game losing streak against the Jazz overall. Um, but let's let's remind you in maybe a painful way, but this is uh, some of the way it's gone recently, including last year against the Jazz. Another corner three. This time it's Thomas. He gets his fourth here of the fourth quarter. 152 to 98. We have one minute left. Final seconds of the season tick away. Here's a shot to beat the buzzer from King. He scores the three-pointer. That's the way to end the season. But the Kings end up on the wrong side of the scoring column. The final score in the final game of year number 36 of the Kings in Sacramento, 121 to 99. Yeah, that's the way it ended last year, the final game. And you remember the final game? Um, you know, the Kings didn't have Barnes, didn't have Halliburton, didn't have Fox. Uh, Bagley was out. It was just the Kings were putting out a roster there. But the three games last year, the Kings' best game against the Jazz came in Utah. The Kings actually were playing them really, really well and then had a terrible final five to six minutes of that game and then ended up losing 128 to 112. So a 16-point loss. The game that I was talking about that was as bad of a loss as we've seen probably, I think it was the largest loss ever in this building, but one of the worst in franchise history uh, was back in April, taking on this Jazz team 154 to 105. Man, I'm glad I forgot about that game. I mean, I remember going through it when it happened. It was brutal. It's one of those, well, it's just a loss, but nothing redeeming from it it was fun to watch the jazz light up the night and hit boatloads of threes and this is a team that's going to try to do that too tonight they are really good around the perimeter um they have some other issues too certainly that we'll address here in a moment but um it's a team that's been together played together coaching staff has been together this will be a really really tough matchup and then the highlight we heard there to close things out was the final game of the season where the kings lost 121 to 99 to utah so yeah, if we're looking at Utah's perspective, this team does like to shoot the three. Then they've got multiple people that can do it. I like their depth on their bench, too. Uh, we saw what Jordan Clarkson was able to provide for them. Um, certainly what Joe Ingles provided for them. But I think one of the contrasts to watch tonight will be their ability to guard the Kings while Rudy Gobert is on the floor. Let's take you back to the Jazz and the Clippers in the postseason a year ago. Rudy Gobert is one of the great defensive players in this league. He's really important for what they do. He's a rim runner, rim protector. But what the Clippers tried to do a ton of last year in the playoffs was get him involved in pick and rolls and pick and pops and get him away from the rim or in spots where he had to guard decision-making guards or wings. And... The Clippers really did a great job of that. Remember the one game in the series, it was Terrence Mann went just absolutely crazy. 
he ended up being a guy that Gobert had quite a bit on different switches and in different situations. So the point on all of that is can the Kings in a three-guard or heavy-guard lineup with whether that's Buddy or Fox or Halliburton, certainly Terrence Davis um, and Davion Mitchell, can they duplicate what a team like the Clippers was able to do in the playoffs last year? Now, when people have success in any sport, but certainly in the NBA, there are people that try to copy and find a way to do that. Sometimes that's forced, and sometimes teams aren't made up that way. Well, the Kings are made up that way. And so can you make up the difference when you play small and what you're missing about that on the defensive end? That's where guys like Rashawn Holmes, um, if Mo Harkless has to play bigger, if he's available tonight, Harrison Barnes, um, certainly Tristan Thompson, maybe even Alex Leonard, Marvin Bagley, will become important. How much of an impact can they make when Rudy Gobert's trying to get offensive rebounds and putbacks and dunks and that kind of thing, but can you get more on a, a net positive with all your guards? And I think that's going to be one of the things amongst many of the matchups to watch tonight because Utah will space the floor so well and just flood the perimeter with guys that can launch. And when you start to think about we mentioned Boyan Bogdanovich. Royce O'Neal is kind of their defensive glue guy, underappreciated for sure. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is their highlight maker and, and is a guy that can go for 50. I mean, he's really capable of that. And then Mike Conley had the best year of his career as a really good fit for this team, just the total balance of what they were able to provide. It's a really nice setup that they have as a starting five. Jordan Clarkson comes in and scores. Joe Ingles comes in and does whatever the team needs. We mentioned more depth with Hassan Whiteside in the front court. Eric Pascal coming over from the Warriors. I also like the rookie Jared Butler from Baylor, national champion, teammates of Davion Mitchell. So when Rudy Gay is fully implemented in this team, this is a team that won 52 games last year in a 72-game season. It's a really good basketball team that's played a lot of games together, has had some postseason heartache, and is looking for that next step. And the next step for them doesn't happen in regular season games. It gets fine-tuned and polished in the regular season. right? They had never had home court like that, at least this group, as far as they could go throughout the playoffs. So they've kind of lived through that and been through that, and it didn't translate them any further than they wanted to, but it gives them their it gave them their best chance. So I think Utah is in a completely different spot. They're going to be than the Kings, who are everything they're doing this year is, is feeling like their goals are to the postseason. The Jazz feel like they know they're getting there, and they just want to be fine-tuned, healthy, and polished when they get there and giving them their best chance to advance even farther than they have the last couple of years. So you have two teams in completely different spots, but going through the grind, going through the journey, and that's where you hope as a Kings team you get this home crowd behind them, you get a really well-played game, and can the guards make a difference in this one? So some of the things to watch, some of the things we will talk about later in the next hour, certainly as Dave Deuce Mason will join us. G-Man joins us at 5, and we uh, turn it over then to game night coming up at 5.30. So we are just beginning here. We've got another hour and a half to go. We're back with more. Jason Ross right here on Sports 1140 KHTK.